true outcomes they want to entertain you today. Three true outcomes, insightful baseball news underway. Want to win that score sheet? You're gonna wanna stay with three true outcomes. Howdy. Welcome once again to the Three True Outcomes Score Sheet Baseball Podcast, presented by Baseball Prospectus. This is the podcast where three friends chat about baseball, both real and fantasy, and give it a score sheet twist. I am your Neptune High cheerleader, Ian Lefkowitz. Go Pirates. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts. From Ann Arbor, it's the head of the PCHers, Ben Murphy. Uh, hello. And joining us from the nation's capital, it's your backup, Jared Weiss. <laughs> I was positive you were going to say I was Piz. I was positive. <laughs> but I'll take backup. It was backup on my list. Best. Backup was the best. No this question. must be a Veronica Mars thing. Um, yes. Uh, so, full disclosure, uh, two of us have seen the Veronica Mars movie, and you have not. Um, <laughs> unless you are the rare combination of score sheet player slash Kickstarter backer. Uh, in which case... We should probably talk later. Um, so, uh, yes, two of the true outcomes have met each other. Um, go see it. It's It drops today, actually, when you're listening to this. If you're a fan, if you're not a fan, and you like noir mysteries, go for it. Right? Full recommendations? Yeah, it's a solid movie. You'll have a good time. Fun for the family. Um, so, related to, uh, related to that... Uh, Two of us feel a little loopy because we have been traveling. Uh, so, Ben, you are ready to carry us through this podcast today? I think I have a default level of loopiness that calibrates roughly to where you guys are at. So now we're just on an even playing field. <laughs> yeah, you, didn't, you didn't travel. You traveled the 10 blocks of the movie theater. What are you talking about? I traveled in my mind. I met, <laughs> I met Kristen Bell and went places. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> We're it, it, we're PG rated, okay? PG rated. Not like that, people. Dax was there too. With Kristen Bell. All uh, right. Anyway, um, we'll drag this back. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a few of your questions. We're going to go over one of BP's many technical tools that are available to Baseball Prospectus subscribers, and we're going to do some live drafting on the air and hopefully uh, get this bullet train rolling. Um, first, though, we wanted to do a little housekeeping. Thanks again to everyone who has uh, commented, who sent us questions. Uh, I don't know if you saw the comment this week about uh, on our article that said, uh, this is the only podcast I listen to. Uh, yeah, thank you, commenter. <laughs> Um, I, you are my favorite person. That's one of the nicest things anyone has ever said to me. May I also recommend every other podcast? <laughs> like, I've heard us. I've heard other podcasts. I think we're doing a credible job, but, uh, you know, work out. Just start with Tino, and then you can, you know, judge from there. <sighs> my petty jealousy will pay off somehow. Um. That said, please email us at scoresheet at baseballperspectus.com with any questions or feedback that you might have. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TTO Scoresheet or uh, comment in our weekly article, and hopefully we won't make fun of you next week. <laughs> I wanted um, to add, if you do email us, make sure, and there's a, a, a date by which you need a response, a time or a date, put that up top so that we make sure we, we try to get to you back, back to you in a timely manner. Yeah, that's fair, and apologies to uh, a couple people who sent us questions this week. Uh, unfortunately, um, as you can tell, we got a little busy and loopy. So, uh, apologies if uh, someone does have draft questions, send it to us. We'll try to answer them relatively speedily. Um, that said, uh, guys, do you know what I love? I'm going to go with spring training. Yeah, this is my favorite week of spring training, too, because it... Uh, it was right before they, you know, sent out all of what I would call the interesting players. And um, the regular starters were beginning to play more time, so you'd get to see starters go three, four innings. Um, really, if you're, ever, if you're ever going to Florida, Arizona, I would say first week of March or the second week of spring training, definitely the time to go unless you're like a backfields person, in which case... Uh, probably this week is the week to go. Um, so I thought 
I thought this week was fairly interesting. I'll, I'll keep my notes short, but I, I, I do want to hit the people who... Give the people who want hot NRI action what they want, right? All of um, them. Yeah. <laughs> I got one message in favor. Um, actually, uh, I would say one note uh, that was interesting just because I assume everyone here listening is also a baseball fan, um, you're getting to see some of the instant replay in action in spring training. And I, I saw one of the more bizarre things in spring training are replay-related. Uh, so Carlos Correa uh, threw, uh, was the uh, pivot man on a double play. Um unexpectedly because he was from shortstop covering and he uh uh so he caught the ball and threw to first as you do to try to get the second runner except he was ruled to have missed the bag on second base before um before throwing to first so i don't know if you guys know this but neighborhood plays are not reviewable i do so there was yeah there, so people had a question there, like, what happens when it's the opposite of a neighborhood play? <laughs> like, can you review whether it's a neighborhood play at first? So the answer apparently is that you have to, the umpires have to sit around and decide whether a play is a neighborhood play. And then, um, and then if it is a neighborhood play, they can't review it. And if it's not a neighborhood play, they can review it and then uphold it, uh, which seems insane to me. Um, also, uh, neat fact, if there's a reviewable play at first, at second, and then another reviewable play at first, the replay will have to be done in progression. So you have to review the lead runner first, and then you can come back out and challenge the trail runners as well. Which, I am just waiting for, like, I wish Lou Pinella was still managing. <laughs> Like somebody's going to explode. I think we all wish the challenge system managing for so many reasons. <laughs> I feel like review is great, and the the challenge system is like this weird NFL garbage that has kind of messed with. It sounds like something you're that saying could be really easy that MLB instituted a rule without fully thinking through any consequences or ramifications, and I am skeptical that that could be possibly be the case. Certainly yeah. not on Bug Celix's watch. <laughs> That's right. The first day of 2015, everyone's going to be like, never mind. Um, uh, so just a, a couple notes from that game. That was a great uh, prospect game. I uh, encourage, I think Keith Law wrote a write-up. I don't know if anyone's an ESPN subscriber, but um, that was a very good game for prospects. I would just say this. Uh, we got to see uh, Mike fulton for a couple innings. Uh, throws crazy hard. Um, and also had... Dropped one really nice curveball, which I guess is the question about him. It, the Astros are an interesting organization for people who are drafting uh, players because they have so little at the major leagues that, you know, if you do have a minor leaguer in the Astros system, it feels like they're going to come quickly. And there are some good ones. It, I, I guess I'm questioning whether Fulte is going to be a starter in the long run, but the Astros might give him more chances than other teams. I... Um, I don't know if he's available in any leagues, but I, if so, um, he'll at least be fun to pick up. Uh, a player who's, I think, even more exciting to pick up, I watched the Jays game. It, look, it really looks like the Jays are going to give Drew Hutchinson the fifth starter gig, depending on what happens with Irvin Santana, who could... Well, we're recording this on a Tuesday. By Friday, I believe he could be signed with any team in any sport. <laughs> we just... Um, for any amount of years, but if if it is the Jays, they might um, they might send Hutchison down. But he really looks uh, he really looked good. He he looks like he has his stuff. I feel like uh, Hutchison was underrated the first time, even before he Tommy John himself. Um, I would say uh, Kyle Drabeck, on the other hand, definitely out of the role, and he seems more like an NRI guy at this point than anything else, which is a shame. Um, I watched the Padres Rangers game as well. Um, I'll just say this, uh, if you're looking for a really deep NL name, the Padres seem to like Tommy Medica for some reason. He has some pop. Uh, they want to give him a gig somewhere. Um, maybe stash him in the 30th round or so. Uh, more important, and I think, 
this will be extremely relevant to everyone here. In the first inning of the Rangers game, um, Michael Choice grounded into a fielder's choice, which forced Prince Fielder. <laughs> I am now available for questions. <laughs> Yes, the fielders chose fielder in the fielder's choice instead of choice. And who is still on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. Always oh, a winner. Um, so I'm looking forward to more of that. Um, let's let's take some questions, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> Quit um, behind. I, like I think the... Yeah, that's fair. I guess the main question is, uh, this is kind of draft season, right? So people are uh, probably involved in in the middle of their drafts, um, if not towards the end. And we've gotten a couple questions like, uh, how do you decide when is enough or which positions to take when? Um, So why don't we go around the horn a little bit and talk a little bit about draft strategy uh, how do you decide? Let's start with uh, let's start with relievers. Let's say when to break the ice on a reliever. Do you want to be the first to grab a reliever? Or do you want to get them later? And what round does that feel like to you? And Ben, I'm gonna give it to you so that I can stop talking for a minute. Sure. Uh, so I'm gonna assume since we're talking about relievers, this is a team that's in a continuing league but trying to win now. Yeah, probably in um, contention. So I think we're assuming hard thirteen. You've kept thirteen guys. Uh, you might have kept a reliever, uh, but assuming you have not kept a reliever, I think I'd be looking reliever around, say, around 17 or 18. Uh, that means you probably won't have one of the first relievers to come off the board, but you'll get one of those uh, sort of stud relievers that are near the top class. Um, this is partially my personal preference because I don't do as well identifying relievers that might be under the radar as I think you guys do. Um, that's... Another example of cases where our skill sets complement each other. But uh, for me, I like to have my first reliever be one of those aces, and I'm happy taking him any round between 15 and 20. I think it'd probably be somewhere in the middle. Okay, and uh, Jared, do you agree? Do you think that relievers should go perhaps after you filled every position? I, or would you jump for I a do. Reliever? I actually might start a little later than Ben, generally speaking. It, sort of at the point in the draft where all pitchers, all starting pitchers and all position players look kind of crappy and the same. That's the point when I'm sort of going after the levers, I think. Um, I would I would fill out all my starting positions and backups on most before heading to relievers. Yeah, I agree. I tend to take relievers, other than maybe the top one or two, with probably my last six or seven picks even. Um, I would say that I... I have a kind of unfortunate tendency to try to fill out every position first. Um, you know, especially up the middle, if those haven't been taken, I almost paranoically fill them out in round 14, or the equivalent, the first keep around. Um, then at least go through four starters before drafting a reliever. I think even before a reliever, I would probably draft my first uh, infield depth guy in the middle in the middle teens i was gonna say i think if i'm talking about drafting him in like 17 it seems to me like you've filled out at least your whole rotation all of your starting hitters at that point yeah and possibly some depth around them yeah yeah so, which, so i think i don't I think know we're if we're saying page. different things exactly as much as i'm saying i'm happy to reach for a reliever in the sort of top tier and it sounds like you guys are looking more for offensive or rotation depth instead. Yeah, I, I might even go to five, six starters before a reliever. Um, I, I mean, it depends. It, it depends on which reliever you like the most. But if I if I do go with one closer-ish type person, I will probably not draft another reliever for a while, too. Yeah, personally. you could fit five starters and nine hitters in the first 16 rounds. Wow, that's why you're the math guy. <laughs> I mean, you still got two extra picks, right? Yeah. I'm just saying if you draft nine hitters and five starters, then... 
Fair enough. I, I tend to prefer infield depth even to good relievers, though, sure. to my second, third reliever. Um, I, I feel like in most leagues, infield depth is really the thing that gets eviscerated quickly, and I would tend to jump that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think it's more a matter of your ability to pick out relievers late in the draft as opposed to mine, and I feel more comfortable taking the reliever that I know is going to pitch almost every game for my team than guessing on the middle reliever later or guessing on the middle infield depth. Whereas Which I feel is like fair. I'm, I'm personally guessing less about that stud reliever, and that's why I go there because it's like, I don't know. It's yeah, it's probably good to be aware of your strengths, be aware of the way you would play. Even, you know, if you are somebody who wants to be aggressive with your relief core and maybe start a reliever, for instance, as we talked about last week. Um, should the first infielder off your bench be projected for 400 plate appearances this year? So do you want another start? I guess starting infielder, at least somewhere in your in your infield roster? Uh, Jared, why don't we start with you? Uh- on that uh, question. To me, I think it depends a lot on your roster construction. If you've got three really strong positions and a fourth one that's kind of... you got a guy who's on the strong side of platoon, maybe draft a guy who's on the weak side of platoon. Hope he doesn't hit 400 plate appearances, but if you've been focusing on um, other positions first and infield's kind of weak, then maybe you're drafting a super utility guy that, that will rack up that many PAs. Um, ben, how about you? Yeah, I'd agree almost exclusively with what Jared said. I think I feel a little bit more strongly that the first infielder off your bench is likely to be projected for at least 400 plate appearances. I think the thing to keep in mind is projected for 400 plate appearances isn't always the guarantee that you want it to be. And you're almost always either going to play that guy for almost all of his plate appearances or have no trouble finding a trading partner for him or somebody else that you're not using. Yeah, and for me, um, I, I think I think this might be a question of semantics, but I think literally, should the first infielder off your bench be projected for 400 plate appearances? My answer to that is probably no. Like, it would be nice if it's true, but it's not necessary. I, I always think of um, Eric Chavez or somebody as an infielder who I really like to have, um, who even... Uh, he might be off my bench, but I might even start him over the guy who I draft earlier, let's say. You know, where I think in the first... For my first infielder, I'm really looking for quality. And especially in a standard league or a shallower league, I would draft the 400-plate appearance guy much later. I feel like Jonathan VR is around into the 20s. And, you know... That can be your bridge to player AAA, but you don't need those like 400 plate appearances to be of particular quality. And in fact, if you're getting too many of them, you might be wasting them compared to another direction that you can go. So, um, yeah, I think our answer is maybe another quality. <laughs> Another quality, but again, you know, talking in hypotheticals, I guess the question is, what is true for your team? Yeah, and I think it's more about the thought process that goes into it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hope you have one. Um, we did get one more question through Twitter. Thanks, Twitter, uh, from Ryan, who asks, uh, "What is the best uh, 2013 MLB draftee to pick in a continuing league?" Uh, I don't know if you guys have thoughts on it in particular, uh, or I'd be happy to field this one. I cheated, so I know <laughs> what the answer is, but it's not of my own knowledge. <laughs> Go for it, Ian. Sure. So my immediate reaction to this, if I'm reading the question right, is that it's Chris Bryant, and it's not particularly close. I have Bryant well ahead of both Appel and Gray, who might be the other theoretical choices, or guys like uh, Frazier and Meadows, who I kind of have even closer to them. Uh, Bryant is the only player who is a college graduate who's near the majors, uh, who shows an above-average bat, and I don't think Colin Moran fits. Um, To me, this is the kind of player who you would want to get in that 
first supplemental pick. And Appel is more a nice player who is, um, you, you know, certainly a quality prospect, but not somebody who perhaps stands out from the other players in, let's say, the second pitching tier. And Jonathan Gray probably would stand out a little more if he was not pitching in Colorado, but for me, that's enough to make me back off in this league. Um, just in case I'm misinterpreting the question, I'll, I'll give a couple names farther down the draft list who I think were might be available. Uh, by the way, uh, one other note from spring training. It feels like Sean Manaya is blowing up this spring. People seem to be really excited about him. Uh, you know, I think it's possible somebody in your league already drafted him early because they knew um, he was one of the top players uh, who was hurt. But just in case you're in a league where people have drafted mostly from the round order and he's still around, get him immediately. Um, I'm just going to throw in a couple second-rounder names, just in case anyone is um, in a deeper league. I think the league he was in was a 30-team league, or a 30-keeper league. So maybe some of you are looking for this kind of depth. I'll I'll give you five quick second-round names. Ryan McMahon, who we talked about in the third-base article, so I won't go over that again. Um, I think Chance Sisko of the Orioles has a chance to be a good bat-first catcher, and certainly catcher is an area of great need for the Orioles. Shots fired. Um, I'm not taking the bait. Uh, thanks for leaving me hanging. With <laughs> you deserved signs. it for that. You deserve it for that. I did deserve it for that. Uh, I would say Vic Caratini of the Braves, uh, third baseman, uh, or listed as a catcher, kind of playing... Um, Flex positions, which uh, I think we talked about in terms of uh, Pete O'Brien recently. That's the kind of player who I look for, who I think might be more valuable even than score sheet than in a uh, actual in the actual world. Uh, and uh, is that it? I, I well, I would say um, oh, Austin Wilson of the Mariners. Um, you know, he's somebody who had a lot of heat and coming out of college, was probably in the top five or ten high school draftees, went to Stanford, uh, as happens with many people who go to Stanford, they sort of messed with the swing, he has a big swing and miss. Um, I I still like his upside, I still think he has a chance to be a um, good to very good player. Uh, again, if you're in a deeper league, uh, we actually ended up drafting him last year, I don't know if you guys knew that, but um, I would... <laughs> Uh, I ended up uh, I ended up throwing him back this year because uh, you know I think we can do better, which is one of the dangers of over speculating on the draft. But again, if you're in a thirty keeper league or in a, some weird deeper league, um, I guess these are the kinds of names you'd want to know about. Just real quick, back to back to Appel. Uh, you know way more about the yeah uh, sure prospect guys than I do, but I mean he he was taken number one overall on talent. That wasn't a money thing, certainly. No, absolutely and, sure. I mean, these guys haven't had a lot of of playing time yet in the professionally, and he's got a clear path to the majors. He should be up this year, right? Which we just talked and, about, yeah. And he's not going to be blocked, I don't think, at all, even remotely. So I don't. Yeah, I I hope the reaction wasn't "Don't take Mark Appel." It's just whether you like a probable number three with number two or number one upside versus a above average third baseman. And I would probably take the above average third baseman every time. And I think Bryant also has more upside than that. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, there are some questions about Appel. He did not hold his velocity from college in the, his first taste of the minors. And I guess there's a little bit of question about where some of the strikeouts went. I think he'll be able to answer them this year, but there is a chance that this is just who he is. And, you know, in which case your value on Appel is actually probably going down a little bit. You know, this may actually be a time to trade him. Which this we, we tell the story about how we just traded for him. <laughs> yeah, we tr- just traded for him. <laughs> I, I, I think that's justifiable, but... <laughs> We did try to get other players first. But yeah, so Appel's not worthless, but, uh, you know, I think he's um, well behind Chris Bryant in pretty much any format I would think of. 
Um, so why don't we pivot here and talk about something that, uh, Ben, you know a lot about. And I think the readers uh or the readers of baseball prospectus and uh some people and everyone listening to this hopefully um would be very interested in you know i I assume that most everyone who's listening to this is a subscriber so i we wanted to start talking a little bit about some of the tools available to baseball prospectus subscribers i think uh i would say this if i was not even if i was not being paid by baseball prospectus i'm not being paid by (laughs) but (laughs) Um, I would say this no matter what. I feel like uh, Baseball Prospectus has pretty much unmatched tools for score sheet players. And that if you're a score sheet player who's not on, who's not subscribed to Baseball Prospectus, I feel like you're missing out on a huge draft help. Uh, we'll probably get to the draft date in a little bit, but I wanted to at least ask you a little bit about the numbers that made it run. And in particular, the SS Sim score. Sure. Um, I want to start just by making sure that everybody who might have found the podcast without having hit the Baseball Prospectus site, that we give them a quick sort of overview of where they can find SSM and where they can find our articles. Because if you've only listened to the audio, uh, we do put written content together that overlaps with the audio, but complements it as well. Uh, So across the top, there'll be uh, a toolbar, and there's a fantasy section. So that's where you can find all of the fantasy-oriented stuff, including the score sheet specific. And then there's a podcast item uh, down towards the right, and you'll see our podcast listed there. So uh, if you're looking for our written content, it's under the podcast one. If you're looking for this fantasy stuff that we're going to talk about, it's going to be under the fantasy button. Um, So score sheet sim, or SS sim, uh, started out as yet another creation that Nate Silver left for us before he departed for greener or redder and bluer pastures. Uh, Whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) Yeah. Every once in a while, somebody will ask me if I've heard of him, and I just laugh. (laughs) Uh, So Nate developed this statistic several years ago um, as an effort to try to measure value for these leagues that do simulated games. Um... I think, you know, they can also apply to, like, Stratomatic and that sort of thing. Um, This one is sort of customized now on its recent incarnation to be uh, useful for score sheet players first and foremost. Um, I think the things that make it useful for score sheet players also make it useful for other simulations. Uh, So for offensive players, we're looking at taking out the park adjustments that exist with most of the sort of advanced metrics that you might look at, warp or something like that. Um, We're still looking for positional adjustments, uh, but for defense, we're able to incorporate uh, what we know about the defensive range ratings that Scoresheet gives and the impacts for errors. So basically we've got a blend for hitters of their overall offensive output. Uh, We're calling that runs above average or RAA. So you'll see that um, on tables and charts um, within the score sheet draft aid and other places. Uh, Positionally adjusted offense, we're calling that uh, VORP with a little um, apostrophe on the end to denote that it's not park adjusted. And then there's also going to be score sheet defensive range and error runs in there. Um, I think the names for those are uh, fairly self-evident. The ranges rngr and the errors errr um, those are all meant to be run based metrics and they're combined to form ssm for hitters uh, for pitchers we're looking at um, basically just how many innings is he going to throw and how many runs is he going to allow in those innings um, for the purposes of calculating what we're considering the zero line here Uh, We're sort of roughly assuming starting pitcher's replacement level is a 5.0 ERA, um, and the relievers are actually a little bit higher, uh, 5.4. This might seem a little counterintuitive at first. I think if you look at the way that it falls out, you'll see that the stud starters are always going to be at the top, um, and the relievers sort of fall in because of sheer quantity um, to be about where you'd expect Uh, One of the things that we're going to put in the article this week is a graph that sort of shows how the score sheet sim projections fall out. Um, It happens to be this real pretty like logarithmic curve that uh, you can see sort of replicates the sort of talent drop-off that we expect to see for 
um, you know, the elite talent is sort of um, very high on the tail end, then it sort of flattens out and kind of tapers off at the end. Um, so I think that's probably as technical as we need to get. Uh, do you guys think I missed anything there? No, although I, I do have a question. So you're taking these um, pieces of data and you're putting them together into one number, right? Kind of a mega number. Yeah, it's meant to be all-inclusive. Uh, so is that number kind of, uh, is it logarithmic? Is it ordinal? Like, is how, how much should you treat a percentage point difference? As... Uh, so it's meant to be driven on a runs basis. Um, all of the offensive stuff are calculated on runs basis, and the pitching is sort of like runs saved above replacement or something like that. Um, obviously, it's not exactly replacement level because um, replacement level is more of a major league construct, and in the score sheet sense, it's kind of hard to define whether replacement level is about the player you can get or the player you get stuck with, uh, the AAA player, if you don't have enough playing time. Um, mm -hmm. This sort of focuses a little bit more on the player that you could acquire rather than um, the AAA. So if we were going to assign a score sheet sim number to the AAA players, that would certainly be negative. Okay. Does that answer your question about scale yeah. and context? Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing, uh, I don't know if you, I don't recall if you mentioned this outright. So this is a one-year yeah, exactly. So this is all based on uh, all the projections you'll see on the prospectus site are based on this year's Pakoda. Uh, one of the things we want to be able to develop at some point is a version of SSSIM that looks into the future. Uh, but right now it's basically the depth charts adjusted playing time rate for players that are projected to play this year. So the guy that gets the job out of spring training is going to have a higher SSSIM purely on virtue of his projected innings being higher than the guy that loses the job. Mm -hmm. So uh, can you give an example perhaps of when he would use it? Or... Sure. I think so. I think it's especially helpful for me personally for picking out relievers. Um, that's sort of my crutch. I think in general, it doesn't tell you too much that you don't already know in terms of uh, best player available, but it certainly helps you sort through maybe your third and fourth outfielder or uh, guys that are likely to be helpful uh, for depth. Um, you know, it certainly sorts out the guys near the top also, don't get me wrong, but I think most of the guys that you see come out on the top of the SSM ranks are all the guys you would have expected to see. Um, I think in general, it helps differentiate players sort of in the middle of the pack where uh, you may or may not have anticipated uh, that differentiation. Um, okay, so that I, I think that's a great um, sort of rundown of SSM. Jared, do you have any questions about it? Or no, I think uh, I mean um, I didn't beforehand, but I especially don't now. I think that was okay. a good summary. Yeah, it's a great summary. And so, um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, the way you can use SSM inside the score sheet draft aid, and maybe introduce that product as well. Sure. So the score sheet draft data is what you're going to find in that fantasy dropdown at the bottom. Um, this is a tool that Rob McCown put together uh, two years ago, I want to say. Um, and it's simply fantastic. It's going to help you pick out the best player available by SSM. Um, it's going to break out all of the different component metrics that I talked about for pitchers and hitters. Uh, it'll also give you some hint as to uh, platoon advantage uh, for hitters left and right. Um, we sort of project, you know, whether they're going to be better against righties or lefties. Um, I think it's interfaces pretty slick. You can, you know, scroll through different guys or sort by position or, um, you know, any one of the metrics in the table. Um, and you can also export the data to some other tool if you like to use Excel, for example, instead. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think... I think that's oh, really uh, one awesome. thing I forgot. Oh, so, sorry. so when you go there by default, it shows like the overall list, but there's a drop down where you can select your league. Um, if you're not looking for it, you might miss it, but it says select your league below. And then you pick your league from that and it'll actually reach out to the dynamically updated rosters, uh, exclude all the players that are already rostered and show you only the players that are currently available on the draft aid list. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, I would just say we've drafted before that existed. And I know you managed to put together a version of it uh, just on our own, but it's so much 
you know, this is so much more powerful. Um, and the fact that it is sorted by this SSM tool means it's something that we rely on pretty heavily here. For me, it's like almost always my first starting point when I'm thinking about a draft pick. I'll look at the draft aid and that'll help me narrow it down to like the, you know, maybe 10 or 20 different people I want to consider and, and go from there looking yeah. at, you know, uh, our roster construction, that sort of stuff. But it's almost always the first place I go. So that, yeah, I think, that... I think what Jared's describing is a good usage case where you can pull up the list and get a good uh, set of players to consider and sort of refine it from there as your lineup needs dictate. Maybe you're looking for a specific position or a specific handedness or uh, something like that. You'll be able to see who's the best outfielder against righties or something like that. Yeah. So that said, um, you know, I think these are great tools. And I think that was a just tremendous uh, analysis of uh, SSM, which is a number that, you know, I've used maybe without even fully understanding uh, for some time. Um, you know, I, I think one of the interesting things is, is to talk about the times when we don't use it. That I think SSM is a great number. You know, it's probably the best score sheet specific single number on the market, I would say. But, you know, like any single number, you wouldn't use war, for instance, to measure players in all cases. And when you're building a team, I feel like SSM, you know, especially might break down a little bit um, at the uh, roster construction level. You know, yeah, I mean, and- I think it's definitely limited to one year, like we talked about. So if you're building for the future, it's not going to be that helpful. Um, right. And I think like we said just recently in terms of like Jared's describing his use and the point that I made, like it's more to help you figure out who are the guys I should be looking at, not necessarily to say this is absolutely the guy you should be taking. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I would also su- suggest is especially once you've drafted um, perhaps your starters or you have the base of your roster together, which is a place where I think SSM really is a strong performer. You know, you, you look for complementary players, perhaps using other methods as well. Uh, I think Scorsese Draft Aid still assists significantly there, because in addition to SSM, they have a couple of other numbers that are sortable. Your true average against righties and lefties that use Scorsese specific platoon splits and your error and range ratings. Um, you know, I think error rating in particular is something that's kind of missing from a lot of score sheet um, or from a lot of projections elsewhere. Yeah, people uh, tend to underestimate the impact that errors can have on a player's defensive value. Right, so I think, especially for someone like me who, you know, has a facility with a lot of players, I kind of tend to put SSM aside mid towards the mid draft towards the end of the draft and start looking at some of these more atomized values um you know always keeping in mind kind of the top level like oh maybe i should draft the best player but once it's not about building for the future let's say or uh building the strongest team to win and it's more about supporting that team uh that's when i start to move to other metrics personally yeah and you can use things like range runs and air runs together to get defensive subs late in the draft or you could find pinch hitters by sorting by the runs above average which is sort of position agnostic park agnostic is going to just help you pick out the best pure projected offensive performance yeah um so we again uh, you know i would sell this just as strongly if this wasn't baseball prospectus's podcast i you know i know you help develop these tools but these were the things that we've been using for years anyway it's um just really you know i i would say uh remarkable and i i I don't think it i don't think there's competition for it so good work and uh i guess good work to the whole bp team yeah i think it's um worth giving credit to a lot of the folks that helped Uh, i want to especially mention uh brian dewberry jones and john armain who helped review and give uh, feedback throughout the development process a couple of years ago. And um, I mentioned him before, but Rob McCown definitely deserves praise for all the work that he's put into the prospectus site behind the scenes, but then also catering to score sheet players 
you know, he is a score sheet player, so he's good at anticipating what they need, and I think he really hit a home run with the draft aid product. Yeah, uh, just tremendously valuable work uh, for and probably an unsung hero of baseball prospectus in general. So, shout out. Yeah, that's what happens behind the scenes, guys get missed over sometimes. Um, Not to say that Rob hasn't delivered great content also, because he has, but uh, the lion's share of his work happens where no one would see notice. So, but thanks. So if you have any specific questions about uh, SSM, I think you'd definitely be willing to take them, right? You can email uh, scoresheet at baseballperspectives.com. For sure, yep. And we'll, um, you know, uh, maybe we'll take them on air. Maybe we'll answer them if you have any specific questions about any of the Baseball Perspectives products. Um, Why don't we uh, shift again now and uh, take us out with some fun I think we're going to do a little bit of live drafting. Uh, we've been given a request, uh, or we got a user request to do some live drafting, and we love we love doing it. We hope it's useful, at least, if not, obviously, if it's not your team, to go over the thought process that might go into making a draft pick. Um, you know, and some of much of which is influenced by what we've talked about today. Uh, our first draft pick is going to be in uh, the beautifully named PAL 130. It's the public AL League number one. Yes. <laughs> which, which is fair. I, I, you know, I love the league names. Uh, it's just some great pride. Um, so the public league, uh, we have a, a player who we've uh, we met in the mock draft, uh, Jay Youngclough, and shout out if you were listening. Thank you for letting us take a look. Um, he actually asked us to uh, make a pick earlier this week. We weren't able to do it in time, but we'll be making a pick tonight. It's actually the next pick on the clock. Um, and, you know, by the time you uh, you hear this, it will be a few rounds past. But we're going to uh, talk a little bit about, again, how the team is structured, and then make our best pick for the team. Uh, Jared, do you have a sense of, uh, let's say, what the, looking over the roster, what you think the team needs, um, or how you think the team is constructed so far? I think it is pretty well balanced. Uh, not uh, He's at the point where there's not really depth anywhere, but he's got every position covered. He doesn't have a true first baseman, at least as score sheet would list it, but he's got Nick Swisher to slot there. He's got five or six outfielders. Um, He's got solid uh, up the middle players. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got was it six starters I think, and he's got Grant Balfour uh, in the pen. So I don't see a glaring need uh, among his roster right now. And and sorry, I should have done this up top. This is a ten team AL league. We are in round twenty one of this ten team public league. So some of the players who have just gone uh, last five: Jeff Kepinger, Joey Gallo, Brett Cecil, Erasmo Ramirez. And Gordon Beckham. Um, I well, don't draft the White Sox. I like the other three picks. <laughs> but um, so now we're going to draft an additional player for this team. And I think, like we did uh, when we did this last, maybe we'll go around the horn and each uh, pick a player uh, who you would draft here, and then we'll decide which of ours uh, is best. Uh. Ben, why don't we start with you? Do you have a player who you will pick and recommend for this league and for this team? Sure. Uh, So when I looked over his team, I think I saw more or less what Jared saw. I think this is a team that's in a position to contend now. And as such, I would be working on building up the bullpen. Uh, He does have Balfour, but he doesn't really have any other pure relievers. Uh, And as I described before, my sort of go-to for relievers is to pull up the draft date and look at, you know, which ones sort out by Sim. Um, there's a couple of guys that are starters that would be good in long relief for this team, uh, but I think I'm going to suggest that he go with a uh, pure reliever, and I like, out of the guys that are up here, Vinny Pastano the best. A uh, mm-hmm. guy in Cleveland, he's going to uh, pitch play regularly for them, and I think uh, he's sort of their high leverage guy, uh, so he figures to get plenty of usage. Yeah, I, I think uh, Pisano's working back into the high leverage role, but I think he's going to have a starting job last year. I, I sort of believe was something of a fluke um, that kind of pushed him to the minors for a while, but it does seem like he has most of his 
stuff back. And definitely agree. Uh, Jared, do you have a pick? In yeah, mind? I'm going under the theory that you can never have too much starting pitching, and you can shunt those starting pitchers into the bullpen, into the long lever rolls. I was toying with taking another bat for the bench, but not to be a huge homer here, but uh, I'm going to suggest Wei Yin Chen. I think there's <clears throat> three or four different uh, starters that I would consider, but if you look at our uh, personal starting pitching rankings that we've posted online, I believe Wei Yin Chen is the top rated there, and, and I, I'm going to follow with that. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to be a homer for <laughs> Wei Yin Chen? He's an Oriole. I guess. That depends on where you're from, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is it possible to have a home if your favorite player is <laughs> Wei Yin Chen? Um, so I, I, I hear what you're saying about relievers and having a sixth starter. Uh, but I think like I was talking about earlier, my personal preference is to sort of fill out the offense especially and then go into the back depth with my absolute last picks. Um, and to that end, I am going to recommend... Uh, well, he has uh, Jan Gomes as a starting catcher. Um, and, you know, I, I do like Jan Gomes as a uh, even a potential keeper, uh, a good sleeper, but there is a chance that Jan Gomes hits 240 and kind of struggles and loses his job and the Cleveland moves Santana back to catcher because they realize that he plays third base like a water buffalo. Um, he might play, he might play like catcher a like a water buffalo. <laughs> yes, that's also true. Just general water buffalo can related I, can I guess, that's all around. Fine. Because the guys that I miss. That I miss. Uh, uh, probably. Is it Derek, is it Derek Norris? Norris? Sure is. Yeah. Uh, so I I think we talked about Derek Norris in the past, if not here. Um, you know, Derek Norris was a player who I loved in the minor leagues. I really thought he was um, going to be a great, great power, uh, sort of power on base guy. Um, he's never going to hit enough uh, to, especially in Oakland, to really achieve that potential. But I think, you know, especially with the A's moving, Jaso off the position for the most part, I think he's going to get probably two to three hundred at bats. And if you have Jan Gomes, I mean, it would be maybe perfect if uh, Norris or Gomes was a lefty. But I think even without that, I would say Derek Norris is the kind of player who you are going to want to supplement the position. And I think that's exactly what I was talking about earlier when I said I don't need a player to necessarily have four hundred at bats. I want a player who is great. I can get especially in a 10-team public league like this, I feel like I can get the uh, player coverage a little later with some of my last picks. Yeah, you convinced uh, me. I think I Derek Norris is a much better pick than Vinny Pistano. Um, All right. One well, thing, uh, just to talk to bring up, tied in with the SSM we were talking about, um, on the uh, on the draft date, I see one catcher, or two catchers that SSM rates higher, Tyler Flowers mm-hmm. and Giovanni Soto, and... Uh, one on the same page, Kurt Suzuki. Um, but you don't think any of those compared to Norse? I, I would take uh, Soto second. I think Tyler Flowers... Uh, one of the reasons why SSM likes Tyler Flowers is because... I, I, I don't know if we explicitly mentioned this, but SSM is tied to the depth charts. Yeah, I uh, mentioned it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was obviously thinking about Veronica Mars at the time. It's um, okay. The uh, SS, uh, SSM is tied to the depth charts. It sort of thinks that Tyler Flowers is going to get the bulk of the starts in Comiskey. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think they might get sick of him earlier. And again, because we're looking at a backup, I'm looking at a per-at-bat version of SSM. I'm looking more for rate stats than I am for playing time, which is also my um, comment with Soto, who's going to be a starter. I think Norris is just a better value hitter, can, although I think you can make a good argument for Soto as well. Can I suggest an alternative? Sure. Uh, it looks from the projections like they're actually projected for similar offensive performances in terms of quantity of playing time and quality in that quantity. Uh, it looks like we've actually projected here Norris to be uh, below average in terms of his errors and Flowers to be slightly above, which I think explains most of the difference between the two. I I don't know. Okay. If that, I don't. You know. I don't know. That to might the be true. To which their history bears that out, but I can tell you that 
um, you know, the components like we were talking about before can be so helpful here. You can see Norris has about negative two runs um, for errors and Flowers is like plus one and change. Um, and they're both projected for right around 400 plate appearances, uh, okay. about 315 on base and 390 slugging. So I think that's where most uh, of the difference sure. is for Sim. Okay. So I, I apologize to SSM for that's okay. doubting its character. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that said, I still think um, SS like Bakoda might be picking up more of Flowers 2011, 2012, which uh, when he had more promise than he showed last year. And I do like Norris to beat those numbers. He had the Hammett injuries um, over and over again. I think he's. I think he also has more upside. Yeah, so I, think I, I would stick with my pick. That also highlights a good example of you know, using your own uh, experience and intuition on player values to sort of double-check the Pakoda projection, which is the underlying foundation of that sim. So that, you know, in this case, you know, Ian, I think you have more than just an educated hunch that Norris is a better bet to hit that liner better compared to Flowers. Uh, and that's always important to incorporate. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll be going with Tyler Flowers. Jared, do you want to... Continue to pound the way in ten train. <laughs> no. I think we I think we've outpointed you two to <laughs> yeah, one no, anyway. Fine. One more but, one more name for you guys to consider? Uh Lonnie Chisenhall. Uh, to set up a platoon with Will, Will can... Middlebrooks, and especially if you believe Chisenhall's gonna get time at third because Carlos Santana's not a third baseman. Yeah. That's true. It's uh, kinda gambling that Cleveland makes a decision early and then doesn't send Chisenhall back right. to the minors. Which is, seems like is happening at least immediately, but yes, that I guess that is part of the consequence of what you said earlier, or what we said earlier. Um, so all we learned is the only way to go wrong is by taking Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a terrible suggestion, Ben. Man, that's wow. okay. Uh, I think best. I think best reliever. Yeah, no, makes I think it's, it's some sense here. there, especially yeah. I think this is just a peek behind the curtain for listeners to understand how our process actually unfolds when it comes time to make a draft pick. I suggest someone, you guys tell me why that's dumb, <laughs> and then you suggest somebody smart, and then I'm like, oh, that's smart, let's do that. <laughs> I'm like, but you guys, I developed this metric that you don't want to use. <laughs> just... We use all your other metrics instead. Um why don't we why don't we take another peek behind Let's. the curtain and talk about our our next pick uh, in AL Pappas, which is a ten team soft seven league, um, and I think this is going to be instructive because it gives you um, a window into how soft leagues work if you are more of a traditional score sheet player. So, uh, Ben, do you want to set up our pick this time? Uh, yeah, I can and... provide some context. So we took over this team coming into this season as a 12-team AL league, like Ian mentioned, with a soft seven-keeper system. This is more or less as close to... Oh, and there's uh, three rookie slots. This is more or less as close as you can get to a one-year league uh, and still have keepers. Uh, I think our team, we only kept two guys, Longoria and Matt Harvey. Um, so we've been drafting for most of the draft, and our team has a fairly solid foundation, but we're definitely drafting more with an eye to the future, not necessarily just on 2014. Uh, we've sort of entered the part of the draft where we've picked out all the guys that we think have some upside, uh, been able to nab a few of them, like James Paxton. Um, there's a couple of other guys that have some... Um, some value potential in season. Uh, we just picked up um, Mark Teixeira two rounds ago, uh, and Jake Peavy, Clay Buckles before them. You know, so not not like young guys like Paxton, but guys that maybe slipped a little bit or seemed like good value to us, or might be good for trade fodder down the road. Uh, so now we're sort of stuck in this middle ground where. All of the mm -hmm. guys that have reasonable upside this season uh, are gone, and we're sort of trying to figure out what do we need to fill out the roster or what can we use uh, in season uh, for trades. Sure, and this is our round 13 pick. So for those of you in traditional leagues, especially 12-team leagues, these would probably be your borderline keepers, right? Or your last keeper. 
perhaps, um, especially since this league does have more of a single-year focus. Yeah, I'd be curious to know how many AL leagues play with 12 teams, actually, now that I think about it. Which, you know, excuse it by a round or two by this point, because it's two extra teams drafting for those 10 rounds or whatever. It's a question we should attempt to answer one day. We have thoughts. We would love to be able to answer that question one day. Yeah. Um, Watch this space. Um, In the meantime, why don't we just sit around and draft this one pick? Yeah, so I think um, we sort of identified needs. um, Maybe in the bullpen, we don't have any relievers yet. Uh, The infield's pretty well set, but we only have one outfielder in the rotation. We've got more or less four healthy or probably healthy guys. Um, So we could use a starter also. Uh, We sort of waffled around a little bit. um, Do you guys want to go through the the guys that we suggested? Yeah. um, So, Ben, who would you suggest? Yeah, so I had picked out Matt Joyce for this pick. Um, I felt like he was a good opportunity for the strong side of a platoon and uh, should get plenty of playing time in Tampa. Good sort of uh, this year value. Maybe slid a little bit. going to get on base hit for some pop um probably the second or third best hitter overall if we were drafting like for a dh um but he he played the field for us um and jared so who was your choice so like ben i went with an outfielder because we only have one um and and like ben mentioned i think we're sort of at the win now sort of players i wasn't too concerned about future value and i also wasn't looking too much at platoons just because we only had one outfielder i think we need to get some outfield uh at bats so for me it was it's not a sexy pick but i think uh tory hunter best fits our needs in terms of uh fielding a competitive team this year sure and um as is my want i probably went a little down the board personally um i decided that um for me, since this is a soft seven league that we're trying to build in, you know, maybe we're looking for the players who can return the most value on the pick, uh, either in trade from breaking out or perhaps even as a marginal soft seven keeper if we get lucky. Um, and so I went down the board of outfielders a little bit since we do have one outfielder. I am looking for someone to play the position and perhaps help us contend in 2014 just in case as well. Um my choice was Abisail Garcia of the uh, Chicago White Sox. I think he's going to get playing time. Uh, I'm not convinced necessarily that he is a breakout candidate, but uh, he does seem like somebody who will consolidate his time and who's had kind of a strange upbringing. Uh, you know, he came up very young and then uh, went back into the minors, has kind of been jerked around by the Tigers and then traded. Um, so this might be his first full chance to show what he can do. Um, and I expect him to sort of provide a broad base of support uh, or to build up his base of support in 2014. And I think that could either be something potentially tradable or keepable in the future. Um, so between the three of us, we all went with outfielders. Um, should we talk about our final decision? Uh, uh, yeah, Jared, why don't you go over what we ended up We on? took my pick because it was the best, obviously. God... I don't even know why we even had to discuss it. Just go with whatever Jared says. I think what uh, the argument that I used to convince them was that uh, it's more likely that, that um, Joyce and Garcia would have value next year. <clears throat> but in a soft keeper league such as this one, there's almost no chance of us keeping either one, barring some crazy breakout, which none of us really thought was likely. So <clears throat> we agreed that, generally speaking, we thought Toriander had the best value for this year, which is what we should focus on with this outfield pick. All right, um, and so we have definitive recorded proof that we do listen <laughs> to you sometimes, <laughs> and no one can take that away. All right, uh, so that's about it. Um, you know, we do want to get a couple more uh, draft-focused uh, podcasts in before the season starts. If you have any draft questions in particular, uh, you know, that's certainly going to come up the queue right now. Um, and if you want us to take a look at your draft so far and come up with either broader strategies or, uh, you know, even look at specific picks, again, you can reach us at um, scoresheet at baseballperspectus.com or uh, on Twitter at TTO Scoresheet. Uh, guys, any other thoughts? Are we good to go? I'm all set. All right. So thank you. 
On behalf of Ben Murphy and Jared Weiss, I'm Ian Lefkowitz. Uh, thank you again and have a great day. Baseball can be tricky if you don't possess the edge. They'll call it the way they see it. You'll rarely hear them hedge. They each possess the knowledge honed from years of play. You want to win at score sheet? You're going to want to stay with three true outcomes. They want to entertain you today. Three true outcomes. Insightful baseball news underway. Three true outcomes. Come on out to the ballpark and play. Three true outcomes. The number one independent score sheet podcast in the U.S. of A.